Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So this has been a a fun series and uh, I think an important series and a timely series. And uh, we've been talking about revival for the last four weeks. And uh, there's just a lot going on right now where it's like, okay, we've got to address this. Uh, We've got to see what God is doing and step into what God is doing. And of course, we've talked a little bit about Asbury and how, you know, there was revival there and people have been worshiping. Uh, They worshiped for 16 days straight for 24 hours a day. And God was moving in their midst and encouraging our youth, and I'm so excited to see it. And isn't it interesting that at the same time that happens, uh, that uh, Jesus Revolution movie comes out, same, which is all about revival. Anybody seen Jesus Revolution? It's worth seeing, by the way. So that movie is about the Jesus movement, which took place in the 70s, which is probably the last um, largest American revival where people were hippies, were coming to Jesus like crazy, and God was moving in powerful ways. And I went and saw that movie, and uh, I loved it. And uh, there were two reactions, though, uh, that I had to that movie. And, and the first one is I was just thinking about, uh, I was thinking about some of the brokenness and the imperfection. I was thinking about Lonnie Frisbee and his brokenness and, and the difficulties and, and the, you know, had the falling away that he had after all that happened. And, and my, the first thought that I had is that, you know, when heaven meets earth, earth is still there. You know, when God moves, there's, when heaven does something amazing, there's still earthiness. And I was just thinking about how there's just, when we're broken vessels, and when God comes, we're just not perfect. And so the imperfect comes, and it hits imperfect vessels. But the thing that, that I came out of when I was thinking about that is who does the work? You see, it's a really good lesson for us. Is, is your hope, is your faith based on a person? You know, I, I think of some of the greatest uh, people that were ever used by God. Martin Luther, for example. I mean, the Reformation, well, probably the most important revival that ever took place. But then towards the end of his life, he's saying things, you're just like, what, Martin? What, what's going on there? And, and God used him. And the, the question is, did he do the work or did God do the work? And I just want to encourage you. I know some of you have had pastors, leaders, friends, mentors, and you put your hope in them and you looked at them and then they disappointed you. They didn't meet your expectations. And I just want to remind you that the work that God did through them is a valid work. God did the work. They didn't do the work. God did. I mean, if it changed you, if it encountered you, if it touched your heart, then it was the Holy Spirit doing the work and they were the broken vessel. Now, at the same time, if we're in ministry, if we're followers of Jesus, character and integrity is the most, well, the most important attribute we can have. We need to walk in that. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that if God does something, he does it. And it's valid because God did it. And I've had uh, some people ask me questions about that movie specifically, like, well, what good was it? Like, what even came of the Jesus movement? Did anything really change? And, and now, now, if we're talking about, well, they went off and, and started a commune, probably not. Or, or they had some great experiences or some, you know, really neat services or some big things that happened in a tent or some fun and exciting times? Well, then I would say, not much. But there were hundreds of thousands of people 
that encounter God. Now, I don't know how many stuck with it, but there are hundreds of thousands of people who met Jesus and are still walking with Jesus. I would say that's something. I would say that matters. And there are, there are hundreds of thousands of people who came closer to Jesus through that as they experienced his presence as they were with him. I would say that's something. And then let's just take that away. Now, that's huge, but take that away for just a minute. And let's just think about the protagonist of the film. I mean, uh, Greg Glory. Okay, so he wasn't a Christian. He experiences Jesus, gives his life, gets radically saved. And just that one guy, Greg Glory, I mean, he's led over a half a million people to Jesus. I would say that's something. And then you think about, um, so Lonnie Frisbee goes on and he meets John Wimber and, and that's where the, the vineyard starts. Well, just so you know, I mean, I actually got saved in a vineyard. And so without any Jesus movement, there's no salvation for me. I think that's something. I think that's worth something, right? And so we're looking here, we're, we're praying for revival. And it's not about an experience, it's not about an emotion, it's about transformation. It's about encountering the living God and leaving change in such a way that it reverberates into this world. And I would say that something happened at that moment that is still reverberating into this world, that's still touching lives. And I actually hear, I'm living proof of how that's happened. And we're in a time right now, a very similar time, I was talking to a, a friend of mine uh, who's a little older than I am, and he said, you know, right now, it's like, he said, I haven't experienced anything like what we're experiencing now since the 70s and the 60s. He said, it's just, it feels similar to me in some ways. I wasn't alive then yet, but, but he said, so he was an eyewitness, and he said, it feels similar in this tumult and this just kind of divided country and just all these strange things and some desperation going, which tells me, I believe that we are in a time where God is about to move in a big way. And I, I am hungry, I am hungry for revival because I can envision a future in our life and our country without it. And I can also see what it would be with it. And I'm hungry for revival because you know what? I've tasted and I've seen and I know who Jesus is. And I know what he does. And I know how he transforms lives. And I know how good he is. It just drives me crazy when, when people who are outside of the church, you know, they, they all say, oh, well, that religion is so hateful and it's so this and so that. It's like, oh, if you just knew Jesus. If you just knew, I mean, we've represented him poorly, I know, in many ways, but if you just knew what Jesus was all about, if you knew his love and his power, and I look at this town, and I just want them to know Jesus. I'm desperate to see him move. You know the second reaction that I had to this uh, movie is I went up, and I, I just looked up, uh, got up on the adobes, and I was looking over Montrose, and I'll tell you what, I just started weeping crying over our city, crying, oh Lord God, please come, please move, we need you. We need revival in this place. We need an encounter with the living God. See, because I, I've had what I would call my unto whom shall I go moment. There's this time when, when Peter is talking to Jesus and, and Jesus comes up with this hard message and nobody liked it. So everybody left. I mean, there's crowds, thousands of people left and there were just 12 left, just the disciples. And Jesus says, what about you guys? Are you gonna leave too? And Peter says, unto whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. And see, I've had this moment with Jesus 
where, where he's changed me and he's transformed me, where I was just a mess and I was desperate and I was, oh, it's just, just messing everything up. And I came and he transformed my life and I've seen him move. And it's like, I've seen too much Jesus. Unto whom shall I go now? And I know I'm not perfect now, but boy, you should have seen me then before God got a hold of me and as he's transforming me and changing me. And see, this is what I'm hungry for. I want every single one of you. This is the reason that I want more of God's presence. This is why I want revival. This is why I want God to move in our midst and God to move in our city, is I want everyone to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I pray for you an unto whom shall I go moment. Because that's what's good. That's what I'm praying for our kids and our children's ministry. Not that they just know about God, but they experience God. They see God. They taste and see how good God is. And then for the rest of their lives, they're ruined for everything else. I want God to ruin you. To ruin you for everything other than his presence. Everything except connection with him and loving him. And that's why I'm praying and so earnest and hungry for revival. Now we've got different revivals. I've just been studying this in, in scripture and some people say that there's up to 20 different revivals in the Old Testament. Some people say eight. There's different numbers all, all over there and it just depends on what you call awakening and renewal and revival and the rest. And there's different reasons and different things that happen. Sometimes, often, it's just like cleansing the temple. It's getting out all the other stuff and all the other gods out of the temple. That's a revival. Sometimes it's a contest. You know, fire comes from heaven and God shows his power in such an amazing way that, that, that everyone starts to turn and he eradicates the wickedness. In the Old Testament, sometimes it's a battle that there's enemies encroaching and God comes and there's revival and leaders come and, and they push the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people back. Sometimes it's rain. Rain comes in the midst of the drought. Now, oh Lord, just rain on us. Sometimes it's building a temple or building a wall. But here's one thing that most often happens is that there's a change in the people, there's a repentance where they let go of the things of the world and they decide, I'm not gonna live like the world around me does, but I'm gonna turn towards God and I'm gonna live like God wants me to live. And they seek him and they're changed by him and there's a repentance and a recommitment. And then also we see in every single Old Testament, every single Old Testament revival that they destroy the idols, that those things that fight for our attention, those things that take away our love for God, those things that we chase after, we put them away. We're done with that. That we are foreigners and we are aliens and we are living for another thing and another way. And we decide that we are holy, which is just set apart. There's a different purpose for us. There's a different reason for us. And we see this always, every single time. There's a revival in the Old Testament or the New Testament. There's always a turning and a drawing near. Come close to me. And I want to tell you, that's the call that God has for you right now. Come close to me. Be near. Rest in my presence. He's good and he's kind and he's gracious. And his heart for you is not, oh, be good, shape up, turn around, get out of that stuff. He wants you to turn. He wants you to get away from it so you could be near to him. So you could be close, so you can have life. So you could be free. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So I guess it's time to start the sermon now. And so we're gonna, we're, gonna look, we're gonna look at the greatest revival in all of history. And this revival, if you open up your Bible to Acts chapter one, this revival, it's so powerful that it's reverberating 60 generations later. 
we are still feeling what God did. We're still being touched by what God did here in Acts 1. And I want to show you how it starts and where it begins. And we've talked a little bit about this already, but it says in Acts 1.12, so this is after Jesus was crucified, he's risen again, and he's also ascended into heaven. So now it's time to move forward. And it says in verse 12, and then they returned to Jerusalem, that's the disciples, from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. So that's the disciples, the apostles. They, now catch this. This is where it begins. They all joined together constantly. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So when we see a move of God, and we've talked a little bit about this before, it begins with prayer and expectancy. They're gathering in this room, expecting God, praying that God would move. And I just want to ask you, are you here in expectancy? I'm full of expectancy right now, knowing that God is going to move in a greater way, because I want to tell you something, we are already seeing God moving in our midst. We are already seeing Revival. It's wonderful to see. Uh, I mean, the church is moving in. All of us moving into God, turning towards him. I want to tell you, he's pleased with it. Your heart's in the right place. And he's going to respond. I just know he is. And then last week, we had, a, we had a wonderful time afterwards where we invited people to come up and humble themselves. To come to the altar and just lay it all down. And there were people lined up here. And you know what? God was moving. And, and like, this isn't the only cue, but there are a lot of people going like this because they were encountering Jesus. And that's beautiful and that's powerful. And you know what, I want more of that. But you know what, something else happened. I had more than one person who didn't come up here that sent me a note. And it said something like this. I've been stuck in this addiction. I've been stuck in this sin. I've been walking in it way too long and I'm bringing it to the light and I want to get free. Those were people who didn't come forward. And one of those people just said, you know, I just, when you, I want personal revival. And I want to do whatever it takes to get the stuff out of the way so I can experience all that God has for me. Another person said, when I came into church, I felt the spirit of God and I knew that I had to deal with this. That's revival. That's just as exciting to me. You know, the things that we never see, we never hear about. But if you hear a person who says, I'm going to get rid of this addiction, I'm going to get rid of this sin, this bondage in my life, I'm going to bring it to the light, and I'm going to be free. Oh my goodness, more Lord. That's freedom. That's life. And I'll tell you what, I am praying, and I ask that you would join me. I'm praying that when people pull up into the parking lot and they put their foot on the asphalt, that the Spirit of God would just start falling on them that they would experience his power and his presence and they would have an unto whom shall I go. You have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else where I could find life. And I want to ask you to come ready and I want to ask you to come yielded and I, I want to ask you to come hungry every time we meet together because God wants to meet you and God wants to move. And I don't care if it comes on the altar. And I don't care if it comes in your seat. And I don't care if it's loud. I don't care if it's quiet. But boy, I want the move of God. Crying out for the move of God. Praying for the move of God. So they're praying. They're seeking. They're expectant. And you know what happens? God moves. 
the Holy Spirit comes and there's a rushing wind in the room and there's tongues of fire that appear above their heads and, and God falls on them, fills them with his Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues. They begin to evangelize. I mean, they begin to move in a huge way and I wanna show you, let's go over there to Acts chapter two, the result. And I wanna encourage you to read verses one through 13. It's a powerful moment where the Holy Spirit comes and fills them up. But then I wanna show you what comes as an immediate result of the Holy Spirit's infilling. And it says in verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk because they were speaking in tongues like what is going on as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, before we look at this prophecy that comes from Joel, I, I, I want you to understand that my belief is that this prophecy was for then and it's also for right now, okay? Because it talks about the great and terrible day of the Lord, the very end. So I think it's for that moment and it's for all the moments leading up to this very end. So listen to this. I believe this word is for us. In the last days, the days after Christ comes, the first time, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious, and Joel says, terrible, the great and terrible day of the Lord. And everyone, this is so good, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now this is what we see as a result, is there's a boldness and a determination to share our faith. See, now, I want, I want wonderful services, and I want to experience His presence, and I want just amazing joy, and I want incredible fellowship, but you know what our, our world is desperate for? Salvation. What I'm praying for is a great harvest, that God will move through you, and God will move through me, and that people will turn back, and I believe we're coming into a time now where those who are on the outside, and those who are just kind of thinking about it, that God's going to just compel them back home. I think this is the year of the return of the prodigals. Pray for the prodigals in your life. Those who have tasted and seen, we're gonna pray them back in to his presence and pray them back into a connection. We're gonna reach out to him because this world is desperate for the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying for an amazing harvest right now. And I wanna encourage right now, let you and I, let us be found engaging in our father's business and doing his work and calling people back home while there is still time why we still may be used. And then if you look over in 38, Peter has this amazing, bold sermon. They're like, okay, well, what do we do? And Peter replies, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love this next part. Listen to this. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord, our God, will call. That's you and that's me. That we have the Holy Spirit power right now. And it says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted this message were baptized. By the way, which is happening right after Easter, if you haven't been, join in. 
and about 3,000 were added to that number every day, or to their number that day. Now, the amazing thing that I love here is that Peter had the exact right words at the exact right time, and these words just cut to their hearts. And I don't want just boldness. We need boldness, but it's more than that. I want power. And see, every single one of us now has the Holy Spirit within us, and so we can bring words that are full of power. Have you ever just like, you're talking with someone, and God just gives you the key? Like, you know, you're kind of just moving all around, and then all of a sudden, you're like, usually for me, it's like you kind of, like there's a little thing of pain that comes up, or you, or you see their longing, and God just is like, he highlights, and you're like, oh, let's go back to that. Let's talk about that for just a minute. You know, it, it happened in a, just a really obvious way. This wasn't, this wasn't really hard to figure out, but God was leading uh, Joy and I. We were in uh, Orlando a year ago. I think I've told you, uh, some of you about this before. But we, uh, she lost her bag. And so we're in uh, the baggage claim line, which is the last place you ever want to be in the airport, right? And so we're going in that line. Everybody's mad. Every, I don't know why we get all mad when like, something happens to our bag, but we hate everyone who had anything to do with it. And so here we are, all full of hate, and we're standing in this line. And, and I think wisely, they only let one person in the room at a time because I think it's to avoid a riot, you know. So we, just one person comes in, and so we're waiting. And we go in, and it's our turn to go into the little room. And we're talking to the lady, and I could just feel it. I was like, what an oppressive place to work. I mean, you ever just kind of feel the atmosphere? It's like, Ugh. And we're looking at this lady, and she's trying, you know. And then it just, it, I mean, it's not, doesn't take a lot of wisdom, but the Holy Spirit, he speaks to me, and just really clear. And, and I just looked at her, and I was like, wow, this is, you have a hard job. She's like, yeah, it's really negative here. And, and then, but, but God gave me the key, and, and I said, but you're trying. And, and you're trying to bring life right here in the middle of this darkness. And you're doing a good job, and God is pleased with you. And then Joy and I just start ministering to her and telling her, like, well, you can do it. You can change the atmosphere here, and you can bring life here. And you know what she started doing? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can. And then we gave her a little book about uh, coming to Jesus, just encouraged her and prayed for her. See, that was a key. It's power. You know, I could have started in there, and I, I could have said, well, um, have I shared with you the ontological argument for the existence of God? Then let's move into the cosmological argument, right? Where would I have gotten? We need Holy Spirit power. We don't need to argue people into the kingdom. Listen, there are people that are ready. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There are people all around you that are ready. The problem is we don't move in the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we come forward and we're like, okay, we gotta fix this and we gotta tell them this and we're gonna manipulate it this way. When all along the Holy Spirit is just like, just listen to me. I have the key. Pay attention. Listen, we have the same Holy Spirit that Peter had. We have the same power that Peter had. We just need to step into the power. We need to wait. Listen, God, what would you say? Here I am. And it's as simple as knowing that a person who works in the baggage area is probably frustrated. I mean, I believe that God was leading me, but it doesn't seem like a real amazing revelation, right? And here God is, and he wants to move. There are more salvations. Pray with me. Ask God, Lord, use me. Pray for keys. So boldness. Boldness to share the gospel. Winsomeness, a seasoned salt to share the gospel in the middle of it. 
And then we see another result. Of this revival, there's this beautiful unity and connection in the people of God. So if you go to Acts 2, verse 42, famous passage, we've read it here a number of times, talking about the disciples, the followers of Jesus, after 3,000 were saved. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I wanted to go back to that first word. They devoted themselves. They decided, this is what I'm going to be about. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to kind of show up for church every week. I'm just going to step into all that God has for me here. I'm going to devote myself to connecting with other people. I'm going to devote myself to breaking bread, eating with one another, connecting, and then I'm going to devote myself to prayer. And as a result, look, everyone was filled with awe. More awe, Lord. We want more awe in this place. And many wonders, God, and miraculous signs, we want more of those were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. And here, this next verse is, this is how you know that they meant it. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now it shouldn't surprise us that with the move of God comes connection, comes unity, comes friends and brothers and sisters because we have a highly relational God. And Jesus says, see, what I want is, is I want you to be in me just like I'm in the Father and you to be one as the Father and I are one. And his heart for us is for none of us to be alone, but for us to press in, to be devoted to connecting with one another. To be devoted to like, well, that person's on the outside. Let's bring him on the inside. I want to just commission you right now. You have a badge that you are the ones who can bring people in. That no matter, even if you're like, well, I'm the lonely one. Well, then go out there and bring other lonely ones in. Devote yourselves to caring. Devote yourself to loving one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. And as a, a body, let's avoid majoring on the minors, looking for little ways to separate, and let's look for ways to unify, to come together, and let's seek his agenda, and let's lay down our agenda. You know, guess church, I, I gotta say it, church, church has been ugly. It's just we, we don't have the best reputation. We've been petty. We've been ridiculous, and we, we found ways to divide. But do you know what I see you becoming? Do you know what we are becoming here? Beautiful. I see your earnestness. I see your hunger for Jesus. I see your willingness to just to get above the pettiness and to reach out and to care and love. And it's beautiful, church. You are a beautiful church. And God just wants to pour more of that out on you. He wants to see greater connection here. Loving Jesus and loving one another and loving the lost and, and loving the poor and loving those in need and, and drawing near and just changing and experiencing him. And there's more for us. There's greater connections here. And no, we're not gonna be perfect. And we're gonna mess up and, and we're, gonna probably, we're probably gonna have problems in the middle of what God does. But let's stand for unity. Let's choose. Love covers a multitude of sins. Let's choose to love. In John 
or 35, 13, 35 says this, by this, they will know you are my disciples. What is it? In the way you love one another. Is that what the church is known for? You know, if you come to uh, our, uh, our begin, I forget the name of it, growth track. We're having it tonight. If you come to growth track, one of the things that, that I just pray for, that I hope for, is that they can say, yeah, those people at Grace, they're uh, this way and they're this way, but they sure love one another. That's what I want to be marked for. We love God and we love other people. It's powerful. That's how they're going to know who we are is the way we love one another. All right, there's a third result that we see here in Acts. And it's in verse, uh, chapter three, verse one. And what we see then out of the revival, out of the move of God is power and miracles. Power and miracles. One day Peter and John we're going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple called temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. We saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by his right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, I want to see more miracles and I want to see more power. But sometimes, sometimes the reason like we pray for miracles is because we want God to prove it. You know, we want a little show. God doesn't dance for us. But the reason that I'm praying for miracles is because I want people to have a, a moment where they say, wow, God did that. See, I've seen miracles. I've seen healing. I've seen deliverance. I've seen provision. I've seen God move in an amazing way. But you know what one of the most powerful miracles that we can hope for? You know one of the most powerful witnessing miracles that you have is a transformation of a life and a heart. It's huge. And you see at the conclusion that after the healing, everyone is just filled with wonder. It says, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Lord, change more lives. Lord, bring more miracles. Bring provision. Bring testimonies and witnesses that will go out into the world and draw people near. See, we have the same Holy Spirit that Peter had. So I got to believe that the same miracles are available to us right now. Not because he has to prove anything. Because he brings life. And because he wants to be a witness. And so let's join in praying for them. But it's going to take some risk. There's something about, it's not the whole thing, but there's something about faith and miracles that go together. That faith is a catalyst for God to move. That God just loves to see our faith. To say, okay, well, well Lord, we're just going to trust you. We're going to believe that you're going to provide. We're going to believe that you come through. And then when we act in faith, God responds in that with power and provision. So let's increase our faith. Let's increase our risk and let's step out expecting miracles. Now then we see a fourth thing that comes and it's the one that I'm not too excited about and it's resistance. 
and persecution. And so look at 5, uh, 17. It says, and then the high priests and all the associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in jail. Now with every move of God, expect a counter move from the enemy. I was, uh, Calvin, uh, as I was talking to him, he says, you know, one of the reasons that I know revival is here, one of the reasons I know that it's here right now is because I see the work of the enemy increasing. He said, you know, as a counselor, he says, I just see so many problems. It is, it's just like nothing I have ever seen in my life as people are coming broken and hurting and desperate. He says, I see this going on here, so I know that God has to be moving here. And listen, there is persecution and there is difficulty. I mean, does anybody feel a little bit of a pinching going on right now? Anybody feel that, that it's the, the world's a little less excited about us and resisting us? And, and I want to encourage you here. Well, one of the reasons that I believe that God is moving is I see signs of the resistance that's coming as well. There's swell of sentiment against the things of God right now. But look at Acts 5, what, what he says at the end there. And, and then they get put in jail in 41. It says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Rejoicing that I got to suffer. Listen, don't go looking for trouble, okay? But don't worry when it comes. And when it comes, rejoice because you have been found worthy of troubling you are troublesome enough to the enemy that the enemy wants to trouble you and stop you and resist you. See, God, he tells you that you're chosen. And so you better expect that the enemy is gonna come and tell you that you're worthless. And God says, oh, I got big plans for you. And you better expect the enemy is gonna push against that and say, oh, you know, not for you. And God tells you that you're forgiven and that you're holy. And you better expect the enemy is gonna tell you that you're broken and that you're dirty. Because the last thing that the enemy wants is a bunch of on fire, excited, unified, bold, empowered followers of Jesus going after it with all our hearts, loving one another, reaching one another, sharing their faith, and fulfilling destiny that God has called us to. That's what God has for us. God is on the move right now. But it's also why humility is essential. That we don't need to give the enemy more material to work with. He's got plenty to work with already. We continually humble ourselves in the move of God. So the move of God may continue. And I don't know what God is going to do. And we're going to see amazing wonders in worship. Or maybe we're going to see a quiet revolution in people's seats. Or, or we'll see a citywide transformation. Or, or just a move in our homes and our houses. But I know God is doing something right now. I know God is on the move in you, in me, in us together, and I am expecting more, and I am praying for more. Billy Sunday, great evangelist, actually had something to do with Billy Graham coming to Christ. And he says, when may revival be expected? And the answer is, when the wickedness of the wicked grieves and distresses the Christian. When we're ready for a change. And I'm ready for revival. I'm desperate to see God move to transform this country to save our kids to touch our state and our city to touch my heart 
And I want more of him. I want more power, more connection, more salvation. And I'm hungry for revival because I have had an unto whom shall I go moment. And I want to see more of God's presence so more can have an unto whom shall I go moment. For you not to know more about him, but to know him, to experience him, to fall in love. Leonard Ravenhill, he says this, as long as we are content to live without revival, we will. As long as we are content to live without revival, we will. Guess what? I'm not. I'm not content. I'm not content to move unless he's here with us. I'm not content to go forward unless he goes before us. I'm not content to live without Jesus moving in a greater way. And I just want to ask you to join me in this revival that he has for us right now. Where we will not stop tearing down our idols. Where we will not stop just putting away those things of the world and the mindsets of the world. Where we will not stop repenting of our sins and turning in our sins and being set apart and living in holiness. Where we will not stop choosing to share boldly and with great faith. And where we will not stop loving our brothers and our sisters sacrificially. And we won't stop seeking his face. And we won't stop praying and contending for power. And we won't stop moving out in faith and taking risks and just going for it because he's calling us. And we will not stop humbling ourselves before God until we are caught ablaze with the fire of Jesus Christ that pours out into the world, that changes mantras, that touches our church, that touches our families, that touches this world for the glory of Jesus Christ. That we will not stop. Oh, revive us again, oh Lord. Change us and use us. Praise God. Move, Lord, in our midst. And I want to tell you, listen, God is already moving. He is here right now. And will you join out? Will you join him? Will you step into the movement of God? And I just want to pray right now. I just want you, I want, you know, there's this moment where Isaiah, God says, I, I want to change everything. I want to move. Who's going to go? Who's going to tell him? And Isaiah says, I will. Here I am. Send me. So I want you, if this is you, just put your hands in front of you right now and just, and just say, tell God right now, say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Contend with me right now. Pray for revival. Pray for a move. Pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, more. More power, Lord. More life. More faith. More boldness. More holiness. More humility. Just come right now, just as we begin these worship songs. Just come before the Lord. Seek Him right now. Ask for revival in your heart, in your life, in your homes, in your city, in this world. And if you haven't asked for, Lord, I want to unto whom shall I go moment, Lord. I need your presence because I can't give away what you haven't given me. So fill me, Lord. Some of us here, you've touched God. You had that moment, but it's a long time off. Listen, it's time just to get back to it. It's time just to get back to Jesus. It's time to allow yourself to be swept away by his love again. It's time to draw near. It's just time for you to live in faith. Time for you to be all about him again. You've tasted it before, and God wants to give it to you again. So Lord, we just ask for that, that this transformation, whether it's quiet or it's loud, that it begins right now. And Jesus, it's all about you. We just come back to you wanting to touch your heart. 
wanting to have your heart, Lord, so we can see you move in our lives and move in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.